This week on the Vergecast, Alex Trans and Dan Seifert join the show. We go over Apple's peak performance event, the new iPhone SE, the new iPad Air, and the Mac Studio with M1 Ultra and Studio Display. Then we do a little lightning round. That's coming up on the Vergecast now. Support for the podcast comes from Canva. Presenting to a group of your colleagues can be nerve-wracking. So why not ease some of that anxiety with Canva? Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and that's it. You're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work. Wow, that guy means business. Just an amazing player. No, not him, the sports photographer behind him. Uh, what? He has a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where he earns 5% annual percentage yield, so he's scoring big on and off the field. You might even say he's the MVB. MVB? The most valuable business. Making your money work harder. That's how you business differently. Intuit QuickBooks. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes are in APY. APY can change at any time. Hello and welcome to the Vergecast, the flagship podcast of 5G shenanigans. <laughs> That's our new, it's like one of the worst bars and grills you can go to. The shenanies. <laughs> 5G shenanigans. <laughs> anyway, I'm Neil, I'm your friend. Dan Seifert is here. Hello, I am here. Alex Kranz is here. I'm really excited about the shenanies. Yeah, it's going to be great. There's a lot of shenanigans to talk about on the show this week. I will note that our friend Dieter Bone is not here. And I went to a bunch of Apple like briefings and they're like, where's Dieter? And I was like, you know where he is. <laughs> he said, your rival. <laughs> like Dieter went to work for Google. So at some point we're going to, I don't know if we should disclose it, but there it is. That's the news. We talked about it a bunch last week. If you missed it, we had a goodbye episode with Walt Mossberg and Dieter. It was very touching and poignant. And now the world moves on. You ready? Mm-hmm. Enthusiasm. Okay. We got to start. There's an Apple event this week. Tons of Apple news to talk about. New chip, new phone, new display, new Mac, old USB-A ports. Very exciting. I will say that the, in addition to that, our team is doing just excellent coverage on the tech aspects of the war in Ukraine that is obviously happening. It's the biggest news in the world, aside from COVID. Lots of internet companies, content filtering, major backbone providers are shutting off service in Russia. Uh, McKenna had a great scoop about a tech executive that is privately funding a mercenary army of private soldiers in the country. Yeah. You know, we, we talk about policy a lot on the show. The We're just going to block a bunch of Russian channels from American social media companies. Amazon's going to stop shipping packages in Russia and Prime Video. That stuff all the themes that we talked about on the policy side are all just coming to a head there. So we're covering it very deeply. It's the flip side, right, of like, how should we regulate tech? The tech companies here are sort of pulling out of Russia, and then Russia is running its own uh, tech-based misinformation campaigns, shutting down speech across the country. It's all on the site. I know you don't come to us for Ukraine news on this podcast. I just want to point out, because our team is working really hard on it, and there's actually really interesting, deep coverage of how it's playing out. So that is that. Okay, now a hard segue to the Apple event. Good morning, and welcome back to Apple Park. So, big Apple event, medium Apple event, small Apple event. What do you think? Medium. I'm go with medium, yeah. Yeah. Medium. medium. It was the first one. You know, they, they try to fake everyone out with this, like, peak performance thing and, like, the AR Is thing. Is it going to be the glasses? I promise you, and I talked to a lot of people, um, everyone is ready to go back to in-person Apple events, I think, including Apple. I don't think they can ever do the glasses without an in-person event. They can't. They can't. You're going to have to bring... 
all of the the competitors with you to that first in-person <laughs> Apple event. You can have a little purse full of them. Like, don't pay attention to my purse, my bag of of AR headsets. It's going to be great. And I brought my little HTC Vive, like room scale cameras. <laughs> You're like, hold like, on, I got to set these up. Hotel. Tim, come over here. Come over here. We're, we're going to do this together. Eddie Q, did you bring a ladder? Because I need one. Okay. <laughs> but so this one is like, they still did it in the, the format we, we're used to. Tim Cook on the stage at the Apple, the Steve Jobs Theater, zooming out to other parts of the campus, very infomercial, mm-hmm. lightning fast. Very fast, especially the first half. They just raced through this thing. Um, the theme of it was like, we make our own chips, our chips are great. Look, we put our chips in everything. We did it. <laughs> okay. So let's just start with it. They did a new iPhone SE, they did a new iPad, then they announced what they are saying is the last of the M1 family of chips, the M1 Ultra. They're putting that in a computer called the Mac Studio, which there's a long history of people wanting a computer just like this from Apple, and they announced a new display. Uh, let's take them in turn. Let's start with the iPhone. And today, we're bringing our extraordinary A15 Bionic chip to another iPhone, the new iPhone SE. I think the story of this iPhone is, is 5G shenanigans, but Dan, tell us about the new iPhone SE. So there, there are uh, some 5G shenanigans in that this supports 5G, but it doesn't support millimeter wave, which we can get into. So it supports what we commonly refer to as sub-6 5G or the 5G that you can actually use, which you might actually experience. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it is the same SE that they released in 2020 with a new processor and a slightly bigger battery. That's it. Yeah, same 4.7-inch screen, same bezels, same touch ID, yep. same camera, but they got, they got the new processor, so the camera should be better. That's what they're saying. They're saying, like, you know, it the processor can unlock some things with the camera, but I would not get your hopes up super high for dramatic camera improvements. It is the same hardware. It's the same single lens. It's got deep fusion, dude. It's sweater mode. <laughs> you could, I mean, their sweater pictures. Look, this phone's for grandparents. Grandparents get cold. They need sweaters. Grandparents get cold. They're often wearing sweaters. So it has sweater mode and it has the single camera portrait mode, but I don't believe it does the night mode. That is like the thing that is like not available on this one. At least my understanding. We, it could be wrong. But anyways, so it's a single camera unit. It's got the same front facing camera, which I believe is seven megapixels. It's, uh, you know, like you said, the 4.7 inch screen, LCD. It's got the button, right? It's got a button. It's got a home button. It's very small. Yeah. No, uh, no night mode. Yeah. That's okay. I don't, I don't understand that. Like <laughs> you would think that the processor would be powering that. Right. And like, it's got the A15 chip, which is the best A series chip that you can get right now. So that's how they get you. That's how they get you. That's how they bracket you right up. They're like, iPhone SE customers are never in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> never happens to them. They they're carry asleep. a flashlight wherever they go. They, they, yeah, they, they get so sleepy. They get so they're sleepy. in bed by 6 p.m. <laughs> Curled up in their little sweaters going to bed. It's a, very, it's a cozy phone. It's a cozy phone. Uh, it's also $30 more expensive, which you can almost certainly uh, attribute to the fact that it supports 5G. Our high on our team has uh, looked many times into the cost of 5G in phones. I believe there's some reports about the iPhone 12's 5G modem is like its most expensive component. Um, so it's very likely that the price bump here is related to the fact that it supports 5G, even though it doesn't support millimeter wave. Does it support the mid one? Yes. That like the FCC got up or the FAA got upset about? Yes. Yes. It's That's uh, the C-band which okay. AT&T and Verizon are very excited about because it's their only real 5G um, <laughs> that you can get. 
Uh, and they are rolling it out, and uh, this is fully compatible with it, as far as I understand. It's also compatible with all of uh, T-Mobile's 5G. Okay, is the millimeter wave thing, is that a great loss? I feel like it's not a great loss because everybody talks about how terrible it is, how like... It was a lie, and now we can all admit that it's a lie. <laughs> and before I talk about that, I'm just going to point out that you can get it in green, and you can get the Pro in a nice green. Great. That's all the news about the iPhone SE. You, no, no, no. You can get the 13 in green, and you can get the Pro in Alpine green, but the SE is in Midnight, Starlight, and Product Red. Oh. That's it. That's oh, it. And, like, okay. <laughs> Sorry, if you want to curl up by fire and go to bed early, we can't have sweater. a green phone. Can't have a green phone. Can't have a green okay. phone. Millimeter wave was a lie. Let's just come back to this. Yes. I feel very strongly about this. I'm the only person in America who feels very strongly about this, but I'm going to transmit <laughs> my energy to you through this microphone. You're already transmitting more energy than millimeter wave did. Do you remember when the iPhone 12 came out? Yes. And Hans Westberg from Verizon stood on stage with Apple and he was like, 5G is finally here. Yes. <laughs> It was great. It was a great moment. He's got a great accent, a very handsome man. He is like, I did it. All this other 5G has been lies, but now that Verizon has millimeter wave on this iPhone, and then Dieter and I, in our reviews, we had to like go find street corners. Like I literally <laughs> was like walking the streets of Manhattan being like, that looks like millimeter wave, and like standing under the thing. I'm pretty sure Verizon put one by our office on purpose, <laughs> and we would test it. And then Joanna like did her video at Giant Stadium and was like, it works great here, and it's nowhere else. <laughs> and that was 5G on Verizon. And Verizon was insane about this. And they demanded that every phone on its network have millimeter wave because it defined 5G ultra wideband is millimeter wave. Yes. It's like ultra fast, extremely low range, high power. You need a special antenna. The iPhones had special antennas on them, custom phones, all this stuff. Yes. Because millimeter wave was the 5G that Verizon had. And AT&T was like, we honestly are, we all, mostly what we have is lies, but we're along for this ride too, right? We have a label we're going to put at the top of the phone. We've got 5GE, so yeah. we're good. Yeah. <laughs> and underneath that was a bunch of crazy stuff, like a technology called dynamic spectrum sharing, where yes. they would reuse the LTE spectrum, but give you a 5G logo, and that was 5G. <laughs> and it was slow, and I would get on the, you know, we would get on review calls with various phone manufacturers and be like, 5G slows at DSS, and they'd be like, well, our carriers. Like, it was horrible. <laughs> Why don't you um, use it in the UK? Get some real 5G <laughs> in here. Yeah. Meanwhile, like, you know, I would get tweets from people in like South Korea being like, I don't, what are you talking about? Why are you complaining about 5G? We get six gigs down. <laughs> This is why we're great at League of Legends. Like, our internet's better than yours. Uh, it's true, by the way. Uh, latency is a big thing in yeah. uh, esports. It's like a real fact. Look, if America wants to be, dominate the international esports scene, we have to upgrade our networks. This is the reason we need an infrastructure bill to improve our internet in this country. League of Legends, we're getting crushed, guys. Getting how, crushed. Are we, how are we supposed to, like, beat them at any Twitch games? Like, What are you doing, Biden? Come on, fix it. So... Then this past few months, the you know there was a spectrum auction. They bought the C band. The disaster with the FAA and the FCC happened. They finally slowly started launching their mid band networks. Verizon redefines five G ultra wideband. They're like, well, we made this up, so now this doesn't mean millimeter wave. This means both millimeter wave and this mid band spectrum. And they just sort of like announced it. Sort of announced it. I don't know how much announcing they did. Well, they announced it such that Allison was able to write a piece explaining what all the terms meant. Yes. But it was like very under the table. Yes. Like under the table that I had to go on the Wayback Machine and look at Verizon's website and be like, <laughs> sometime in January they changed it. Right. 
There was no press release that said 5G ultra wideband now means C band. Yeah, which at, for two years they've been saying it means millimeter wave. So the, I and they've been demanding that every phone on their network that supports 5G. I'm making extremely sarcastic air quotes here. Uh, that has 5G was a millimeter wave. Yep, and yeah. phones were frequently compromised for that. Like uh, the great example is the Pixel 4a 5G when the unlocked version came out, did not support millimeter wave, and it was $400, I think. And then Verizon insisted on the millimeter wave in it, and now the price was $500 for that version. Or the, I think it was the Galaxy S20, uh, that base model did not support millimeter wave, but the Verizon version did, and therefore it was more expensive. So yeah, we've been dealing with that for a while. And now now the iPhone SE doesn't support millimeter wave. But so they announced this phone and like literally Dan was like, I wonder if it'll be on Verizon because it doesn't have millimeter wave. <laughs> a- analysts are like, huh, I wonder if it'll be on Verizon or if Apple will have a second secret, more expensive millimeter wave version. So I'm like, we like ask and Verizon's like, no, we're going to carry it. <laughs> and all it is is because it supports C-band, they can claim it's 5G ultra wideband and they can just stop pretending to give a shit about millimeter wave. Do you think there was like a conversation between Apple and Verizon about this where Apple was like, we're not going to put your stupid thing in here and mark up this phone because of your stupid technology deal with it. And Apple and Verizon was just like, okay, sure. We'll deal with it. (laughs) Thanks. I'm sure Uh, there was conversations. I just wonder how much the conversations were like Verizon's like, okay, we're closing on the C band where we almost have it. Apple. Can you wait like four months before you announce this so that we can actually roll out this C-band, and then the FAA was like, wait a minute, what are you doing? And then that (laughs) threw out a factor. I guarantee you this thing would not have launched if C-band hadn't rolled out. Yeah. They would have just held it, right? The other iPhone SE was doing fine. They have, you know, whatever phones to support the millimeter wave deception that they need to have. (laughs) But if you hadn't rolled out C-band, I assume the Verizon would have either insisted on a more expensive phone with millimeter wave or the Apple would have just held it. And I, I bet Apple would have just held it. They don't care. Right. It's like, I'm just saying we have spent two years listening to these companies, at least two years, at least. Yeah. Listening to Verizon and AT&T ramble on about millimeter wave and ramble on about 5g. It's been a, at least 10 years of 5g bullshit. In, in fact, I, I would say it's been at least four years of millimeter wave lies because uh, Sean Hollister wrote about this whole situation about uh, that we're talking about now. And in his article, he cited in 2018, he was at Qualcomm's event in Maui and like 5G was supposed to be like the ultra wideband millimeter wave demo there that didn't work. And it was just all lies. And that was in 2018. So it's been at least four years of this. And I will say people have told us we've seen the tweets. We've seen like some people can get millimeter wave. I could actually get it. They have a, a my old house, my old apartment had the Verizon <laughs> transmission thing yeah. on top of it. I had to deal with like <laughs> months of construction as they built their little like air condition. They got air conditioning and I didn't. And I'm still <laughs> upset about it. Verizon got air conditioning and I didn't. And it's all there. And I can look at it even now and get just incredible speeds. Really? Do you like hold your phone out the window and like <laughs> Yeah, just hold my phone out and just kind of hope. But yeah, They're like, all right, BitTorrent, here we go. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> but just me. Nobody else can get it. Just you. Just yeah, because you're probably the only one with a millimeter wave. This industry has for four years now, at least four, five, ten years, told us 5G will be transformative. Right. If you remember the early hype, like I, I would go to dinners with the cell carriers. They would tell me that they were going to 
compete with AWS. 5G robots were going to save lives. Yeah, the the amount of telemedicine and telesurgery that would happen, like the <laughs> like robot surgery on demand was like going <laughs> to definitely happen because of 5G. Like we were shown pictures of 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 just like rural towns in America that had no access to healthcare and the self-driving robot on 5G was going to show up and just do <laughs> surgery on everyone and peace out. Right. All that stuff that has really not happened. They told me that they were going to, they were going to disintermediate AWS because to control these networks, they needed to put the data centers closer to the edge, which would allow for the extremely low latency applications that we have been promised this whole time. None of that stuff has happened, but they have increased the prices of the phones and they have absolutely increased the prices of the plans for no appreciable benefit. And it is a scandal that I would say no one is talking about, except we constantly talk, we about, talk it. about it all the time. <laughs> and this phone is great. And I'm happy it's a cheap iPhone. And I know people will be excited about it, but this phone is just like proof that all of this fake out was just a lie and it achieved nothing. There was a, actually a wall street journal story last week. That's like, it was a journal of Bloomberg. It's like they've made these huge investments into these network and they've created no new revenue for themselves and created no new applications that anyone is using. Whereas if you think about LTE, the amount of revenue they created, because everyone rushed to get faster phones because they could feel the speed increase over 3G. And then the applications that were delivered on top of it were all like video applications. Like it was fast enough to support streaming video. Which is why they all went and tried to buy video providers. It, it kind of reminds <laughs> me of of like TVs and the the 4K. Like when they went from 1080p to 4K, and now they're doing like 4K to 8K, and they're like, "Aren't yeah. you excited about 8K and HDR?" And everybody's like, "No." <laughs> like, I'm good. like you know, 1080 to 4K. That was a big leap, and yeah, my eyes bled. It was gorgeous, but most people didn't like. 8K is not a significant jump, and 5G for most people in like the mid-band speeds is not a significant jump to be like, yeah, I need it. I gotta, I gotta go get my new phone. But we've we've just spent so long, particularly Verizon, so long hearing about millimeter wave <laughs> and paying higher prices, right? That's the killer to me is they found ways to increase the prices of the plans, they found ways to increase the prices of the devices, and they provided nothing. And now with this phone, you can see that at the end of the day, it really, all that was just, they needed to be able to market that stuff. Now they've got a real network. Yeah. Right. They've got the mid band 5g network. Dan, we've seen it perform. It seems fine. I mean, it's, you know, if the typical 4g experience is anywhere from like 30 megabit down to 125 megabit down, if you're in a good mid band 5g area, you might see 500 megabit down or 600 megabit down. That's not unrealistic. doing on your phone that you need 500 megabit down just like hanging uh, out at home. I mean never mind I'm not gonna ask download uh, League of Legends there you go <laughs> <laughs> I, I will tell you there was one there was one instance uh, I don't get uh, mid-band where I live I'm, I'm stuck on the still the low-end garbage 5g that might as well be 4g where I am but there was one instance last year uh, when I was in New York City for our 10-year anniversary uh-huh. uh, event and uh, I could get T-Mobile's mid-band. And I was sitting in my hotel room and I was like downloading movies to watch on the train ride home. And like I was like, this is it. This is the future right now. In three years, this is the first time I've appreciated 5G. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, the other thing is that most phones, Android phones, you can figure out what you've got because there's Android utilities. On an iPhone, 
it's just like whatever carrier letters are at the top of your phone. That's what you get. And it's almost impossible to know if you're getting what you paid for. Like my yep. iPhone right now just says 5G and I, I know it's just DSS. Sometimes TV. mine says 5G. Sometimes mine says, cause I'm on T-Mobile, it'll say 5G UC, not UW, UC. Ooh. Oh yeah. Ultra we, cool. We've got a glossary on the site. Allison wrote that. So what's, what is UC? Is it ultra cool? I had no idea. But it's the same as without the UC. So, <laughs> because, you know, I'm that nerd who's like driving his car and sees UC pop up on his car play and pulls over and is like, I got to run a speed test and see how much faster this is. And then it's the same speed as without the UC and without the 5G. So, like, I, I don't know. It's all lies. Yeah. So. Anyhow, I'm just saying this has been look, if people in rural areas can actually get 500 down. From their phones wirelessly. I will pay you a hundred dollars if they can do that. But that that's, no, that's actually transformative. Yeah, no, no, no. But 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 that is transformative. I agree, but that doesn't exist yet because like that 500, 600 down is still only in the dense urban areas. I'm in suburbia and I don't get that 500, 600. If you're in rural, you're getting, you know, two down. Yeah, yeah. I've got like a friend who's got a two who still held on to like a 2G phone because when he'd be out riding horseback, checking on cattle, he's cowboy he's not just random man checking on cattle (laughs) (laughs) i've got a friend whose hobby is checking on cattle (laughs) he just likes to look at him and say yep a lot but he he couldn't get any other connections so if he like fell off his horse or something or hurt himself the only way to contact his family was with a super old phone like 3g didn't work 4g didn't work he's just out there with a flip phone and he didn't care that 5g is coming because they still haven't really gotten 4g fully in his part of colorado so he's like why i don't I don't need these speeds because you'll never get them to me because nobody wants to build the infrastructure to the rural spaces where 5G would be transformative. Never going to harness our League of Legends talent from the rural areas of this country if we don't fix this connectivity. Like we are losing so many talented League of Legends players right now (laughs) because we cannot properly build out rural internet. But just do the like underlying math. Everyone in area needs 500 down on their phones, which is still crazy. <laughs> uh, we're all going to be wearing the headsets, just like wandering through life in like real time VR feeds. Well, you definitely need a fiber connection to all those towers to support all of that bandwidth. And like, that's the actual problem yeah. in these rural areas. And if you can get fiber to the rural areas, you might as well like run the rest of the fiber because you've already spent so much money. Mm-hmm. We have done endless coverage on this problem on our site and on this podcast. I won't belabor it. I'm just... It's a very nice phone. It's very cool. It comes in multiple colors, including midnight and starlight. It's cozy. Not black and not silver. It's not midnight black. and starlight. Midnight and starlight. But it's just hard to not look at it and look at the 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 entire five G hype cycle and be like, oh man, like Verizon was just head faking us and what their five G plan actually was this whole time. <laughs> Today I'm excited to talk about iPad Air. We're bringing the breakthrough M1 chip to iPad Air. Let's talk about the iPad real quick, because I think we can get through it really quickly. Dan? It is an iPad Air that you may be familiar with from 2019. Same exact appearance. And now it's got an M1 inside of it. Yeah. And 5G. (laughs) And it does have the 5G. It has the same sub-6 5G that we've been talking about. So it's really like they took the upgrades that the iPad Mini got last year and applied them to the Air design. Uh, Mm -hmm. Except they upgraded the processor also all the way up to the M1, which means that this is the same chip in it as the MacBook Air as the 13-inch MacBook Pro, as the Mac Mini, as the iPad Pro, both sizes of the iPad Pro. So for 600 bucks, you are getting one of Apple's most performant processors that it uses in its mainstream, most widely sold laptops, which is pretty incredible. Can you do anything with that performance? 
I mean, it's an iPad. So sure, maybe there's something. Well, you can download your movies real fast. You can download, you can download well. your movies real fast. And it's got uh, the center stage front facing camera. So it will, if you're doing video calls, it will automatically follow you. But it's still in the wrong spot. Still in the wrong spot. Yes. <laughs> Baffling decision. <laughs> and, it, you know, because you can use this thing as a laptop replacement, as you can with the you, iPad You Pro. could. I mean, it's it works with all of the same accessories as before. So it works with the Magic Keyboard, works with the Smart Keyboard, it works with the same pencil. Apple confirmed that it is exactly the same dimensions. So if you have an old iPad Air and have cases and accessories and all that stuff, they're just going to work with this new one uh, right away. There's no no nothing really new you need to buy. But it is a 10.9-inch screen, and it's running iPad OS. I do not know how many people would really want to use that as their only computing device if they have That's an true. opportunity to have a laptop with a larger screen and a more capable uh, operating system on it. But it looks to be like a very nice iPad. The thing that's interesting about it is this kind of happened last time with the last refresh of the iPad Air is now it steps on the toes of the iPad Pro a lot. And the only differences between the Air and the Pro 11-inch now are you get ProMotion or the 120 hertz screen on the Pro, you get Face ID on the Pro, and you get a second rear camera and LiDAR sensor on the Pro. Oh, you get four cameras or four speakers instead of two. Ooh. Yeah. So Sign me up. I mean, if there's one thing that's going to sell me, it's a LiDAR sensor. Yeah. I mean, I'm just LiDARing all over yeah. town. Well, the Pro, the 11-inch Pro was always kind of like the ugly stepchild of the lineup. Because no, it didn't get the cool. It, no, 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 no. I have one. Most people That's buy. my baby. I love it. I, 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 have, I have the one from the previous generation. But it was, it was really frustrating when they announced that when they did their last refresh, because really, really cool display in the 12 inch, mm -hmm. and then the 11 inch. It was like, nope. You get some. You get faster than the iPad Air. Like that was the big difference between it and the iPad Air, and why I bought it stupidly. But. Now I feel I've got just a lot of FOMO. This is just me processing my feelings. Well, so you can, you can see the what they would do in almost any other case would be they're going to upgrade the iPad Pro to the mini LED display. Maybe still keep the M1 in there. That's fine. But you get a better display, better speakers, one more camera, face ID, and LiDAR. Who doesn't love LiDAR? We have to wait like a year and a half for that to happen. But yeah, all the rumors are that the, the mini LED is still too expensive. Mm -hmm. So I, I do think it's stuck in the middle. You know, the price difference is vanishingly small, right? Between the 11 Pro and the iPad Air is 200 bucks, But you do get twice the storage in the Pro. So the Air, this is like the one criticism I have against the Air is that they are still keeping it at 64 gigs in the base storage. And then getting more storage is a $150 upgrade um to 256 and they absolutely have done that on purpose right oh, yeah. that's the one that's where they know that if you spend 150 dollars to get the storage you might as well just buy the pro yeah i mean you it, it's like it gets this annoying like matrix because the 150 dollars that you spend on the air gets you 256 gigs of storage and the pro starts at 128 so you aren't getting as much with the pro but i think most people on an ipad are going to be perfectly fine with 128 gigs 64 gigs might be pushing it if you are trying to actually replace a laptop with this kind of thing. If all you're doing is like iPad stuff, uh, iPad tablet stuff. stuff, you know, I think 64 could probably be fine and cover you. Uh, but if you are trying to replace your main computer or trying to make it your main computer, you're probably going to run into some uh, issues with uh, uh, storage. I think Genshin Impact is like 16 gigs. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a quarter of your storage gone if you play that game. So uh, it's it's a little frustrating that they've kept that storage level. But like you said, it is seems perfectly designed 
to get you to be like, well, if I'm going to spend the upgrade, I might as well spend a little more and get the Pro and, and the other nicer features. Because I will say, Face ID on the iPad, I think I said this last week, Face ID on the iPad is a lot nicer than Touch ID on the iPad. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, uh, Apple is historically very smart at being like, no matter how many dollars you have, we will have a product within $50 of how many dollars you have, right? Like in either direction, you just tell us an amount of dollars and we have an iOS device for you, right? And like, I, I think there, there's a little bit of muddle there because, right, the the upgrade cycles are not perfectly aligned. Yeah. Yeah. But I think part of that is chip shortage. I do think all the rumors about the display technology not getting cheaper fast enough is real. They're the only company shipping mini LED screens, like at scale. <laughs> I have a very harebrained theory that does not have a lot of evidence backing it up. Those are the best kind. But I was very surprised when they announced the M1 chip was coming into the air and they weren't just using the A15 because the predictable thing was the last one used the A14, I believe. And so this one would have the A15 and the iPad mini had the A15 uh, and they just went straight up to the M1. And my theory is Apple's producing as many A15s as it possibly can, and it's putting them in all the iPhones. Like we just said, it's in the iPhone SE, it's in all the iPhone models. And so it is reserving them for that and figured it could just put the M1 in the air because it now doesn't have to take stock away from the iPhones. And you're, you're, this is based on the fact that the Mini is almost impossible to get. Yeah, Mini's really hard to get. And, and there's been a lot of reporting that Apple was diverting production of the Mini towards the iPhone so that it could keep up with demands for the iPhone. I think, I think on a, they've like all but said this on our earnings call. Like yeah. chip shortage finally sort of caught up to them. This is all, by the way, you have to. We'll talk about this in a minute. They're putting an A13 in the display, <laughs> so it's like, it, like I think it's catching up to them in extremely odd ways. Right, they're just making as much as they can. I can't wait until they have to just use A series chips for like all the little little things, like like the display controller in the iPad is now an A13 <laughs> Bionic. Yeah, for no reason. So I I do think there's a little bit of that weirdness there. I don't know that M1s are not also constrained. Like they're making they're selling every Mac that they can. But the M1 is based on the A14, right? So it's got a longer life cycle in terms of development for that pr- process. Whereas a 15 is a new process that they only started. A oh, new process. No, you mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's where my theories come from. Like I said, I could be way off uh, and, and I don't have like actual hard evidence backing this up, but it, it, it kind of slots together if you, you know, squint really closely. And if you've been drinking, this makes a lot of sense. Yeah. If you've been drinking. Yeah. The other theory is this is all just a long lead up to killing iPad OS. That's not a theory. That's just your fond hope. I've not heard this theory. I would like to hear this. This theory. is Alex. Just, you're just a manifesting. <laughs> no, I'm not. Cause I don't believe it. I, I fully do not believe it, but I was hearing it a lot the last couple of days of people being like, Oh, this is all just, they put the M one in there, just put Mac OS on it, be done with it. Kill iPad OS. No, they're, not, they're never, they're gonna never going to do it. 1000% manifesting. Like <laughs> I wanted them to do that too. But I do I, a little bit feel iPad OS has a, a short lifespan now. Because one in one, right? That's that's on all of the most of the major iPads, with the exception of the original iPad and the iPad Mini, right? Yes. Yeah, and then the other thing is we're gonna get a folding device at some point, right? We're gonna get we're gonna get a fo- <laughs> oh my this, god this is, we're gonna get a folding device, <laughs> and it's gotta either run iOS or iPad OS. It can't run both. So, but it, so and you're not going to kill iOS. iPad OS and iOS are the same thing. <laughs> no. no. Like, well, it's so is that. just UI right. differences. <laughs> but the Apple's going to have to explain that, and they're just going to kill it. They're just going to have to and kill they're it. they're not going to kill it. I, we talked to a bunch of folks after the event, uh-huh. and their position, because I asked very directly, like, 
hey, you used to run around telling us that the iPad was the future of computing. Yes. And you took your eye off the Mac and you've admitted it. You had meetings with people to be like, we are sorry. We forgot about the Macintosh <laughs> because you were all in on the iPad. Like this was a real thing that happened to Apple. And they, you know, they, Apple is pretty direct about it. They had the meeting to say we took our eye off the Mac and now they're putting out Macs that everybody's wanted forever. And they're like, yeah, that happened. But everybody buys a Mac, buys an iPad, and it's still our vision of what this kind of computing could be like. They are in no way trying to blur those lines. Like, if you are Apple, you're Tim Cook, and you're like, so my choices are I can sell people two computers or one. Yeah. <laughs> they're always going to pick two because that is currently what's happening. People like the amount of. I own every product in the Apple, Apple ecosystem is the envy of the computing world. And so I just, at some point, yep, I, the lines are getting real blurry and Apple is going to be like, well, are they blurry enough for you to buy two computers or one? <laughs> and if they can keep you buying two, they're just going to keep you buying two. One day, man, it's going to happen. No, they, they're going to keep, they, they, they tried to kill the Mac is what I'm saying. <laughs> they did everything in the power. They put a terrible keyboard in it. They took all the ports away. They're like, stop they buying these things. And they're <laughs> like, what people still want this? What, is, what, what, what do we have to do to kill this product? Uh, yeah. They, they, that original MacBook Air, or the, I guess it was a second generation MacBook Air, that just persisted in that design <laughs> forever. <laughs> like literally their, their stated explanation was people won't stop buying this. <laughs> they're like, no retina display. Like ancient processor, like fourteen by nine hundred resolution, <laughs> was, yeah, had mini display port on it, and people they, like they were just like, we don't know, and we're like, it's because it's the only good Mac. <laughs> like everything else is kind of a disaster. So like, I think that they are they are pretty committed to not necessarily iPad OS, uh-huh. but I think they're committed to their strategy of. Selling more stuff. Selling more computers. (laughs) Selling more. They are very committed to the strategy of selling more computers. (laughs) That we know for sure. It's very sincere that they would like you to buy more computers. (laughs) No confusion there. But I think they are actually committed to the Mac is this platform where like pros make pro stuff. Yeah. And lots of consumers want consumer Macs to work from home. And we've got this vision of a another kind of computer where every button pays us thirty percent of every dollar, <laughs> like right, and like they're just going to keep rolling in that direction for a long time. Look, I hope I hope you speak this into truth. I like I just feel like we're we're careening towards an end game. Like Apple's going to have been to saying like, that for so long. When the folding iPad comes, when the fold or folding whatever comes, that will be the moment. Like that will be the moment we're all we're all going to be like, wait a minute. Wait a minute, iPad OS is just a rescreened iOS. Why are we doing two of these? It's dumb. And it, like it's coming. And we're gonna have to kill it. We'll see. We'll see. what's your <laughs> prediction when a folding Apple product comes? I think if ever. It's like a year or two, right? Where we keep hearing maybe Ooh. even next year. I don't, I thought the last reporting was like twenty twenty four or twenty twenty five. But I need I need it now. Like Samsung did it. Samsung, it's usually Samsung does it, and then Apple does it three years later. Well, uh, we have have history to lean on, right? The Galaxy Note came out in 2011, Uh proving that big phones were were something people wanted. And three years later, Apple had the iPhone 6 Plus. There you go. Yeah. But 
three years from the Galaxy Fold launch would be like now. So that doesn't like work if you you know use that logic. That's what I said. I'm, they're 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 behind. So it's gonna be it's gonna be next year. I'm manifesting that part. I don't think Apple feels like they're behind. I think they're <laughs> looking at Samsung foiling. <laughs> like, I mean, the phones are good, but Samsung's like, yeah, I don't know. Apple's looking at its record sales and is like, wait, we don't have to do that. I do not think they feel pressure. Like we've said this a lot, like new form factors are what prompts people to switch. Right. Oh man. That means we're going to have to like, it's going to be like four or five years. Cause the Mac mini just came out. Oh, the iPad mini. this yeah. is the upsetting. IPad, yeah. I have to leave this yeah. broadcast. I'll talk to you later. But I just, like, if you're, I, I just don't think the iPhone team is like looking at any of Samsung's foldables and like quaking. I mean, they're good phones are very cool. Yeah, they're cool. I, it's, it, I'm not denigrating them. I just think, no one is switching in that direction, yeah. right? This was the stat they said about the SE, right? We've like attracted more new customers, to the iPhone with these products than ever before. And as, as long as they can just like wedge iMessage into the American discourse. Yeah, they got <laughs> they're it. Good. The phone's an asphalt. Okay. We should take a break. We, I don't know how we got to iMessage. <laughs> <laughs> Everything just leads to blue bubbles. I am not to blame. I have, an, I have this theory about like things the verge believes. And that's just on my list is that the, the entire phone market is ch- like distorted by iMessage. Yes. And we all know it. And we can't, you can't just like walk the streets proclaiming this. Like everyone will be like, who are you? <laughs> like, we're just in Cinnabon. Leave us alone. <laughs> like, uh, but it's extremely true. Okay. We got to take a break. We're going to come back and talk about this Mac. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from Canva. They say Rome wasn't built in a day, but you know what you can get built in a day? Your creative deck. You can generate creative decks to use for all your important presentations with Canva. Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. You want a sales presentation for a tech company? Done. Create an employee onboarding plan? No problem. Just type it in and watch Canva work its magic. You'll have generated options in seconds. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver at work. So whatever you do at your job, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. It's AI for every department. It's easy to learn. It's even easier to use. And because it's built in Canva presentations, you can stay focused on the task at hand with no app switching. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Design for work. Wow, that guy means business. Just an amazing player. No, not him, the sports photographer behind him. Uh, what? He has a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where he earns 5% annual percentage yield, so he's scoring big on and off the field. You might even say he's the MVB. MVB? The most valuable business. Making your money work harder. That's how you business differently. Intuit QuickBooks. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes are in APY. APY can change at any time. All right, we're back. This is Mac Studio and Studio Display. I'm very excited about this Mac. So the, the Mac Studio, new Mac, got a new chip in it. It's basically just a tall Mac Mini. It looks like a toaster. It's got a bunch of ports. It's got, it's got plenty. Uh, two USB-C or Thunderbolt ports, depending on the chip. We'll talk about that. A SD card on the front. Front-facing ports. Oof. Front-facing ports, man. What a beautiful thing. All kinds of I.O., new chips. I'll just, to preface this, I will say... This weekend, we're going to have Jason Snell. He used to run Macworld Magazine. I have a piece on the site about the history of people demanding a product exactly like this from Apple. Like, easily since the 90s, 
can you ship a mid-range, powerful, tower-ish computer with a lot of I.O. that we can just bring our own monitor and keyboard to? Like, since the 90s. Like, it, it's hilarious how long people have wanted something exactly in this slot from Apple. And it, you know, I, who wrote the headline on the site? Was it John? That Apple's just doing what people want now? Yes. Yes. Like, that's their whole Mac strategy is like, what have people always wanted? We should make those things. <laughs> uh, so, like, I am excited about that just because. We did it, kids. It's interesting to see Apple just deliver a thing that people have wanted for easily 20 years. There's, they've never made a product like this. They did it with a MacBook, like the refreshed MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro. They're like, oh, wait, if we actually give computer users what they're requesting, they will buy computers from us. <laughs> They'll be happy with us. Yeah. I mean, I think I think that came to like the most clear way with the MacBook Pros last year, right? Like people were waiting for so long to buy MacBook Pros and then Apple finally rolled out everything everyone was been asking for in MacBook Pros and... Everybody like bought them. Up at gangbusters. My M1 Pro 16-inch MacBook Pro is by far the best computer I've ever had. Yeah. Like without a doubt, no questions. I've there I've had many stupid computers. I've many computers I've been very fond of, but this is just by far the most capable computer I've ever had. It's great. But what's interesting to me about this is this is the first time they've done it in a new category. Mm-hmm. Where what people were demanding is Apple enter a category they were not in for 20 years. The last time that they made a computer like this was the G4 Cube. This is a stunning product, quite possibly the most beautiful product we've ever designed. The computer is in an 8-inch cube, and it's suspended in a stunning crystal clear enclosure. It was actually a terrible, terrible device, but it looked so cool. It looked so cool. When I worked in the, um, uh, when I was in college, I was like the IT support <gasps> oh my person God, me in too. the science library. It was great. It was a great job. And you had all the G4s, right? the little cubes. Yeah, we had tons of little cubes. I mean, that job was like sit around and do your homework for like 12 bucks an hour. It was great. It was an amazing job to have in college. But people would like lose a file or they would get confused or like they couldn't figure out a print and then you would like go help them. In the science library, it was full of G4 cubes. And so everyone would sit down and they get all excited and they would put their papers on top of the cube and it had the <laughs> vent on the top. So it would block the vent and the thing would overheat and it would shut down in the middle of the work. And so we had to put signs on the G4 cubes to be like, do not put shit on top of this computer, thoroughly ruining the aesthetic of the entire thing. Anyway, that's the last time Apple has ever made anything like this. Notably, the vents on, are on the back of the back studio <laughs> yeah. and yeah. not the top. They fixed yeah, it. Uh, air comes in. There's two fans. Air comes in from the bottom. The fans spin. They go out. Of, it's like 20,000 little it's dots. It's basically the, the same concept as the Mac Mini, just bigger with more fans and a bigger heat sink area, but same flow. And bigger processors. Yeah, we'll get into those. Yeah, I'm just saying it's the first time they've entered a category that people have been demanding for 20 years after this one notorious failure. <laughs> Uh, well, Steve Jobs <laughs> announced that the cube was be, uh, only putting put on hiatus by saying it was going on ice because it was a cube. Very funny. Uh, so now it's back. It's not on hiatus anymore. It's back. Uh, this thing looks, you know, people are excited about it. It is basically the replacement for the iMac Pro, I would like to say. It's paired with the studio display, which costs $15.99. And then it's got these chips in it, which actually really changed the pricing. So the base model is M1 Max. Same as a 16-inch. We, we know and love. Yep, yep. Same as a 16-inch MacBook Pro. That configuration costs $2,000. Yes. And then there's a new chip called the M1 Ultra, which is effectively two M1 Maxes stitched together, which we should talk about. And that configuration starts at $4,000. Yeah, you can, you can like whittle it down a little bit and get it for like 3800 if you're willing to go with 512 gigs of storage instead of one terabyte. But everything in these computers is soldered in. So like... Yeah. 
Yeah, you probably should just spend the 200 bucks. If you're spending 3800 <laughs> yeah. you probably should just spend the 200 to get at least a terabyte of storage in it. So yeah, but it's kind of funny because it's like the base model uh, Mac Studio, it comes with the M1 Max, 32 gigs of RAM, and 512 gigs of storage for two grand. And then for four grand, you get the M1 Ultra, which is two M1 Maxes. You get 64 gigs of RAM and one terabyte of storage. So you get two of everything, twice the price. <laughs> the that makes works. sense. I like it. Uh, so Alex, this, this chip is like fascinating, the Ultra. Yeah, uh, I think, I think the, and Tom Warren did a great piece about this too. Probably the most interesting thing about it is the, the Ultra Fusion tech, which is what's allowing them to stitch two processors together. Because like everybody's kind of started embracing something called chiplet design, where you take lots of little smaller components put them together, make a big fast chip. Uh, I think just last week, there was a new standard announced for chiplet design. Haim wrote a wonderful piece about it. So Apple's like not using that same standard. They're focusing on this thing called ultra fusion tech, which is more like AMD's infinity fabric. And if you don't, if you've never heard of AMD's infinity fabric, it's why you've probably been hearing all about AMD for the last couple of years. This is absolutely was a huge game changer for AMD when they rolled it out with uh, the new Ryzen chips, like when the Ryzen line launched, huge, huge game changer. And it just allowed the various chiplets to communicate really quickly. And it allowed them to start being really competitive with Intel in the integrated CPU space because they could integrate and have those the GPU and the CPU talk faster than an Intel product could. Apple's is 2.5 terabytes of bandwidth between the two sides. And that's just like unreal. That is so much faster. They're They're basically faster than the Infinity Fabric, they're basically faster than NVIDIA's, like, comparative product, which is NVLink. called NVLink. And it's just, it's wild and it's neat. Tom talked about how it's aiming to beat the NVIDIA's RTX 3090. I don't quite agree with him there because I think most people are still buying GPUs, are the, like, 3090s and stuff are gamers for the most part (laughs) and apple i say this as someone who tried to build a gaming beat around apple in the late 2000s wow you know i'm not famous for it and there's a reason (laughs) so apple made the claim with the m1 pro m1 max a launch that it was comparable to an rtx 3060 and and we found out that that's not really the case with any reasonable test that you might do. So now they're making the claim against the 3090 with the Ultra. We're going to have to see. So with this chip, I will, the, the claims are hard to even describe, <laughs> right? They did the thing again where they put up a bunch of graphs. The graphs, the if they have labels at all, a lot of the graphs are like, it's 3.7x faster than a 27-inch iMac. And the 27-inch <laughs> iMac has a bar that goes to 100. And then the other graph is just longer. Yeah. So it's like, I don't it's even got know. extra vibes. And, and then, you know, it's longer, but it's also more colorful. So if that speaks to you and you, you know how to test that, let me know. Cause we're, you know, we got to figure it out. The other graphs are like the classic power performance graphs that Apple does. It's relative performance versus wattage. Yeah. And so they, they measure the Watts and then give you relative performance in tiny print on those graphs, which flashed by extraordinarily fast during this already extraordinarily fast event, you find out that it's a 3090. You find out that, you know, it's a, it's various PCs that are powerful, but it's impossible to know what they're running. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, if if we are reviewing this thing, we want to like verify their claim 
Like, I don't even know what to do. Yeah, they could be like, it's faster than the 3090 at the AI test on Civilization Six. You're like, cool, that only tests the CPU. That was a or real Or what big... if it's faster than the 3090 at running Final Cut Pro, which you can't <laughs> run on the 3090? <laughs> so it's just like, all that is just like hard to understand. <laughs> what I will say about this ship is that I think that the fundamental technology is very cool. Um, there's Because Apple makes both the hardware and the software, and it doesn't, nothing else runs on these chips, except I pad OS, I guess. In one <laughs> instance. Um, but like they make all that too. They are able to abstract the fact that it's chiplets in that way, in a way that other companies cannot. Yeah. Um, so like a lot of like metal, the graphic system on the Mac is called metal. Um, a lot of like metal developers were freaking out about a tweet from an Apple engineer. Who's like the M one ultra only presents one metal interface. Like it's not two GPUs to mm-hmm. your software. It's only it's just one chip that's extremely powerful. That is somewhat revolutionary. Yeah, and it's one one pool of shared unified memory. And that me- and that's crazy. So if you can get 128 gigs of memory to a GPU, like no one has ever been able to do that. You get 128 gigs of memory to a CPU that runs as fast as graphics memory. No one's been able to do that. I will say, and I asked about this, and we're just gonna have to see. Apple's big bet has been on this unified memory architecture. Yeah, and with the early M1s that only ship with eight gigs of RAM, people do just run out of memory, right? Like the video card and the CPU are competing for memory and you can just max it out, which is not something you're used to on a modern computer mm-hmm. at 128 gigs of memory. I'm ultra like if you are doing gigantic 3d scenes or you're doing you know, this other memory intensive stuff, like I think after is going to have to be careful. It's unclear if Apple reserves RAM for the system. Like that stuff is just, it's a big bet that it is now playing out at the high end of the market. We've already kind of seen how it plays out at the low end. We're seeing it in that base model studio too, right? Like most people's stu- base model stuff is still si- eight or 16 gigs, like m- windows PCs and stuff. They're all going to be, well, the studio is starting at 32. Right. And that's what I mean is the studio is starting at 32 gigs because this is a little bit more memory hungry, like setup than an Intel or an AMD processor. So I think Apple is very like cognizant of it. That's what I felt like I was winning when I saw I was not going to have to pay extra for 32 gigabytes of RAM. <laughs> I was like, ooh, a surprise for me. And I was like, oh, actually, I need it. I'm yeah. going to really need it. Yeah. So I think this computer, it's the first computer of this kind we've seen from Apple with M1 chips in it. Mm-hmm. Yes, the Mac Pros exist. But in the context, people are going to use this computer. I think the memory issue will be more complicated. I don't think it'll be bad. Yeah. I think it's just going to play out differently because this is a professional desktop machine and people are going to do that kind of stuff with it. Um, so we'll see. It's a, it is a huge bet. What, what is interesting to me is that, uh, like you said, Apple's saying this is going to show up as one processor in the system. It's going to show up as one processor, one pool of memory, one GPU to the uh, apps that access it. But you get all the benefits of two processors because you get twice the headroom for memory. So now, mm-hmm. you know, you start at 64, you have 128 as an option. You can only go to 64 on the max. So if you have two maxes, now you got 128 and it quite literally is a north and south bridge of that memory. That is like a pool of 64 and a pool of 64 that's blended together. Then you get more Thunderbolt ports on the IO with the Ultra because it has more lanes of PCI bandwidth because it is two chips <laughs> as opposed to one that are fused together. So it's, it's you're like getting all the benefits of having two processors but you're also getting all the benefits of one super fast processor that uh, can communicate very quickly between all of these lanes uh, of, of memory and, and whatnot. 
Um, so it's a, it's a pretty fascinating set, setup. Yeah, and I, I will say Apple's very clear this is the last chip in the M1 family, and they were very clear that the only computer left is the Mac Pro. They did that on purpose. They were very clear. They, they were like, we needed to say this so people like know like, this isn't the replacement for the Mac Pro. This is the Mac Studio. We're, gonna, we're still doing a Mac Pro. But we're not, there's no like M1 tremendous chip coming here, like whatever, <laughs> whatever words they have left. What's the big differentiator? Is it going to be GPU and having a, a, a AMD GPU on it? Will that be the big difference between the two? It would be fascinating if they'd stick with other people's GPUs. I don't know that that'll be it. I think they're, I, I just have a feeling the, the pro is going to come out with an M2. Like that's just my gut. You think they're going to go straight to it? You don't think it's going to be like seven M1s bolted together? I suppose they could scale this ultra fusion. They can. So that they're doing two here and they could do four in it. But like, then what do they call it? An M1 ultra squared? Like, I mean, like they, they, they said that it's, it, there's not going to be any other chips in this M1 family, right? So. Well, I mean, they're, they're not, they don't call the various builds of the M1 Ultra because you can get it. There, there's a def, tuple, couple of different thread counts for it. But those are just like cores being turned on and off on the die, right? Like if they wanted to do two M1 Ultras fused by Ultra Fusion, that would be like twice the die bandwidth or twice the die footprint. I think that might be overthinking it. They might just do a Mac Pro and have two M1 Ultra chips in it or whatever. They, they could do that if they wanted to. I doubt it. But then how do they communicate? Like that's the magic of this is that the Ultra Fusion is two M1 Maxes communicating really quickly. Like, I think M1 Ultra is just when we start fusing chips together, that's our M1 <laughs> Ultra. And yeah. <laughs> like, because they said they're not going to do, this is it, this is it. And it would be really weird to announce, I mean, I guess it wouldn't be weird if they do the M1, the, the Mac Pro as an M2 device, but that means they have to announce the entire M2 lineup. They yes. don't have to announce the entire M2 lineup. Yeah. So there are some rumors that they'll do some more stuff at WWDC. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I would say the thing you get rid of Mac Pro is expansion slots. Yeah. Like that's the thing that that category of user needs. There's all kinds of weird accelerators. There's stored solutions. They're going to have to figure out some kind of expansion slot. Got to figure out how to Frankenstein your old a- or your old NVIDIA processor in there. <laughs> I don't know if they think about GPU as expansion, right? I don't think that that's the case. Yeah. I think it is weird accelerators, weird storage solutions, weird controllers for spe- specialized pro applications that need high bandwidth. Yeah, like actual pro stuff. I say actual because we all think, like, I definitely am like, oh, I got to get the pro device. I'm a pro. But I'm not a yeah, pro. That's what I think. I'm not a real pro. I always look at buying guides and they say recommended for pros. And I'm like, that's me. A real pro gets excited about those weird accelerators on the Mac Pro lineup. They're like, yes, I need that. And I do not care. Look, I'm a professional podcaster. And uh, this 2015 iMac that I'm looking at right now is uh, <laughs> no longer. It's like it's all I need. Right. I get it. Yeah. So I just think that's that will be the differentiator is they're going to figure out that kind of I.O., yeah. which they've not had any call to do yet. We should talk about the actual computers for one second. It is port city on these on these machines. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. I mean, this has USB-A ports. This has the rectangles, as Monica's put on the site today. It has the rectangles. It's got two USB-A ports. The back has four Thunderbolt ports. If you get the Ultra, there's two Thunderbolt ports on the front. If you get the Max chip, there's those are USB-C ports. We already mentioned the SD card slot. It's got an HDMI out, which is... Still HDMI 2.0, not 2.1. This isn't for gamers, I guess. 
Yeah, what are you going to do with HDMI 2.1 in a computer that plays no games and doesn't support HDR? I want to scroll really fast and with 120 hertz on my screen. <laughs> yeah. There's a headphone jack. Just, Put that out there. There's a headphone jack. So the two USB-A ports uh, are fascinating. So the Mac Mini's had USB-A too. Yeah. I think it's half a concession to reality mm-hmm. that some people, just, especially for a desktop computer, there's lots of USB-A floating around. I think we've also heard there's lots of weird pro software that has USB DRM dongles and you just need to plug them in and wasting a Thunderbolt port on like a little authentication key. is just the <laughs> saddest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. So you just like stick it in the back. But I do, but even that is concession to reality, right? Like Apple has tried this. I mean, I complain about five G like the USB C cycle has been a decade in the making and it has utterly failed to win. Mm-hmm. And like the reality is USB A is still here. It's, still functional, still cheap as hell. And so even on your fanciest new Mac, you're like, here's two USB-A ports because you might have a Pro Tools dongle or something else that just needs to auth and wasting a Thunderbolt 4 port on that is, I mean, it's a crime. Like, you, yeah. like I'll, come to, I'll come to your house and arrest yeah. you. Notably, <laughs> the last desktop computer that Apple introduced, which was the uh, M1 iMac, had no USB-A ports and it was all USB-C. I would love to hear from our listeners on this. I think Apple's belief is that consumers don't plug anything into their computers, which is like (laughs) half true and half not. (laughs) Right? Like, I think they just believe that everything a consumer does on a computer is wireless, and that's fine, and that's the way it should be. And then if you have, if you are a pro, you're plugging everything into your computer all the time. And there's no middle ground, as far as I can tell, what Apple's (laughs) thinking about this. It's like you get one port or you get 9,000, and that's it. I don't like I, I whenever we do these reviews I hear from people that's like I haven't plugged anything in my computer all the time and then I hear from another class of people it's like thank god the ports are back and I'm like thank god the ports are back. Yeah. I mean this is the kind of computer where like I love these Thunderbolt docks because they turn my laptop into like a port monster. Like you could legitimately not need a dock of any sort with this kind of computer. If you need a dock for a desktop computer I will come to your house. Or you could get four docks and just have all the ports in every single Thunderbolt port occupied by docs. That's actually, I don't want to listen to you. I mean, like, yeah, we always want to hear from you. If you buy this computer and you buy four Thunderbolt port box and then fill all those ports, like I want that. I want Please send us that picture. It's incredible. (laughs) I think my favorite thing about this product though, is that the M1, the M1 ultra version has a two pound heat sink. There's a two yeah. pound difference it's, between it's, the M1. Yeah, it's two pounds heavier. Yeah, exactly. It's two pounds heavier than the M1 Max version because that's of a lot two of pounds of heat sink. <laughs> that is so like that's a lot of heat. It's a well, lot of heat. That's just it's twice as much as everything. It's twice <laughs> of everything, right? <laughs> so it only makes sense that you're going to have twice as big of a heat sink. Apple did confirm to us that it is a, a different heat sink. It's copper. It weighs two pounds more, which is great. I would say the one thing we haven't really talked about is where this thing fits. I think people tend to forget the Mac mini exists. The Mac mini is like a great computer. People love it. This thing is $2,000. There is no more 27 inch iMac. There's just the 24 inch M1 iMac. Yeah. You can still buy an Intel Mac mini, which is wild to me. He should not be allowed to. It's like the only Intel computer left in the store, right? They sh- I th- no, the Mac Pro. Um, oh, and the Mac Pro, of course. But I, I, where this sits is really, uh, Apple announces a new computer, everyone tends to forget everything else exists. But this one's really interesting because there's a 24-inch iMac. Then if you want a 27-inch display, 
they announce it will sell you a $1,600 display, which we can talk about, but you have to connect it to a computer and everyone's like, well, now the 27-inch iMac has been replaced by a $3,500 setup. But I'm like, no, the, the Mac mini is still there. Yeah. So I think the second you like want something slightly bigger than 24 inches, they assume you're going to jump to a Mac mini and then a large display. Mm-hmm. And if you want more processor, you're going to jump to this thing. Mm-hmm. But the Mac Mini has been so ignored for so long. Well, even, well they, they, they not by them. Apple, but just like by the world at large. Apple ignores it too because when Apple did its refresh, it it didn't it kept the same casing. Like the M1 Mac Mini looks the exact same. That was totally why I didn't buy it. Yeah, but it. so does the M1 Air. The M1 Air is the same model yeah. as the 2018 MacBook Air. They didn't change it. The only change that they made was when they moved to the 14 and 16 inch Pros. Yeah, but the Mac Mini hadn't been updated for years. In 2018. That's not that old compared to the Air. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> I, I just felt it just feels like Apple itself ignores the Mac Mini. And I think part of it is also, I feel like Apple doesn't take advantage. A Mac Mini costs almost the exact same as an M1 MacBook Air, right? And there's no... I think it's a few hundred bucks less. It's not... It's like it's, but it's six not or seven hundred versus a thousand. It's not <laughs> enough. It's not cheaper. Yeah. Like, like, I'm getting a keyboard. I'm getting a monitor. I'm getting so much when I get a MacBook Air and a Mac Mini. I'm like, no, you need to be, you need to be like five, six hundred dollars cheaper. You know what you get in a Mac Mini? You get some ports. Yeah, I do get <laughs> some ports. It's not enough. No, I just say, but that, this weird place and apple will tell you the mac studio is a professional machine yes but this place between apple's consumer products and their pro products there's like a yawning gap like i think a lot of people would buy a 27 inch version of the m1 imac i would yeah. buy that computer people i would always want bigger screens inch. that's like your mantra you yeah. know, they always want a bigger screen cheap big screens it's all anybody wants so it's interesting that just sort of like once you're done at 24 apple's like well I'll buy one of our desktop computers i think it's telling that when they did the iMac M1, they moved from 21 to 24. Like they mm-hmm. upgraded like the base iMac size. Yeah. And that is kind of telling that like this is as far as it's going to go. Like this is yeah. the size of the iMac now. And if you do want some more screen for whatever reason, then you do have to move into a more professional setup if you're buying from Apple. I, but I don't know if the mini is like a professional setup. Like that's the weird thing about no, it. No, but if, if you stick it with the studio display, which we need to talk about, then it becomes a professional setup. We should take a break and talk about that. <laughs> but maybe it does. Or you can just buy whatever garbage monitor you want. Like <laughs> Vox Media IT will fire a garbage Dell monitor. You <laughs> half a second. Um, all right. We should take a break and come back and talk about this monitor. I just, that's the thing that like we were talking about the, with the um, iPad as well. If you just kind of look at Apple's various segments, there's some weird little corner cases where it's like, I just want a consumer Mac with a big screen. And now, and now the choice is you got to put one together. Or maybe you want an iPhone SE with a big screen, which yeah. V wrote okay. about today. It's a terrible, yeah. terrible opinion, despite everybody good. on this call agreeing with it and egging it on. Everybody wants cheap big screens. We're going to take a break and come back and talk about an expensive medium-sized screen. We'll be right back. Eurovision is here. This year's contest gets underway this week in Malmö, Sweden, but this year's contest comes with a dose of controversy. I'll give you one guess as to what people are mad about. Yes, correct. It's that. Organizers of the Eurovision Song Contest say they are assessing whether Israel's entry breaks the rules on political neutrality. I think it's a shame. I think there is no way 
that, that Israel should be able to participate in your... Pro-Palestinian protesters are taking to the Swedish streets. More than a thousand Swedish artists, including Robin, have called for an Israel ban. Some European politicians are joining them. Charlie Harding from Switched On Pop joins us this week on Today Explained to help us figure out if Europe can sing its way out of this situation. We're back. One more Apple thing to talk about, then we got to do lightning round. The studio display is in a class of its own. 27-inch 5K studio display, $16.99. I will say this is one of the most controversial things <laughs> that has ever entered the Verge. Like, we had our, like, usual after-the-event call and the fury that Heated. erupted on both sides. This is the best thing that's ever happened. This is the thing Apple should always make. This is garbage. I hate it. Like, we had to, like, calm them down. There was definitely two camps. There was the camp of the PC owners who are maybe more likely to be gamers who are saying, you can get so much more for your money than this. This is awful value proposition. And then there's the camp of like people who have owned the LG 5K and are like, (laughs) this is actually great. This is what I wanted for six years. And oh, 1600 bucks. I thought it was going to be three grand. <laughs> uh, so Apple did the Pro Display XDR. It was their first external display in forever. It was a five thousand dollars, thousand dollars stand. It's incredibly expensive. Some people love it. If you love it, that's fine. I think a lot of people have found uh, maybe not all the way up to the hype. Yeah, there's probably other ways to spend your five thousand dollars. This display is cheaper. It contains a lot of the same display language. The stand comes with it. It's not thousand dollars extra <laughs> unless you want to adjust the height. In which case you will pay four hundred dollars more, which is crazy. For all we can tell, we have not seen the thing yet. It is the same twenty-seven inch panel from an iMac that we have been looking at forever. It's got a slightly brighter, yeah, so that it can get that HDR six hundred rating because it can do six hundred nits. I think that is a quote unquote HDR. We'll see, <laughs> um, but typical six hundred nits of brightness is what they told us. We, again, we don't know, so we'll see. No. Mini LED, no. It's a single backlight backlight zone. There's no multiple. Backlight same old zones. tech. You can get a nano texture coating. Do we know for sure it's the same backlight tech and there's not zones? Yeah, it's Aww. a single zone. If Apple was doing backlight zones, like the amount of backlight zone graphics that we would have been exposed <laughs> to would have been through the roof. It would have been they a four-hour announcement. Can't get enough of backlight zones uh, in the in the spaceship. The thing about it that is just mind blowing to me is it has an A13 chip inside of it. <laughs> It has a 12 megapixel front camera. That is an iPhone. They just put an iPhone in this thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just to run the camera and the speakers. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, it has, what, six speakers, four woofers, two tweeters. Apple will happily tell you it's the best sound they've ever put on any of their computer products. Uh, they claim it does Dolby Atmos and spatial audio. We will see. <laughs> uh, the whole point of Atmos is like height. You know, it's like, is the, is the monitor going to rise above you? Yeah. If you pay $400, you can lift the monitor higher. <laughs> And there's your height. <laughs> it goes your, above you. You hear those helicopters. At most is $400. You got to lift it above your head. Uh, but the A13 is nuts that it's in there. It does not do iPhone things. No. It supports center stage and like the bokeh effect, the portrait effect that you can get off an M1 Mac. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My read on it is that if you have an M1 Mac, a modern M1 Mac with a webcam, like the MacBook Pro or the iMac or whatever, it's going to look a lot like that. But because the camera is slightly better, it's a 12 megapixel camera, it'll be better. But that's it. So, like, what is the point of this A13? It's running the audio, it's running the camera, but it's not doing 
iPhone tricks. It's not doing night mode. It was the chip they could get. <laughs> you think it's just the chip they could yes. get? Like, I mean, we're we're gonna end up with I, I, I like Apple watches with A15s in them because Apple's <laughs> like, ah, uh, we got this is all we can get our hands on. And, and I, I mean, like, I, I, I'm joking. It's it's probably the most efficient way for them to do it. No, I think you're I think you're right in that it is it is probably influenced by the shortage because otherwise they were going to have to, if they wanted to do center stage, if they wanted to do all of this, they were going to have to put a processor in there and they're either going to have to make a custom one, which means then they have to go and start that process of getting a custom processor made. And that takes a lot, that's a ramp up that takes time. And there's a shortage. Like everybody's going to be like, no, I'm not going to do this for your like one off small, like monitor. Everybody's going to say, I can get way more money. What what has the A13 now? This is the current part. I think the base model iPad has a has an A13 in it. That does center stage. It has these features, so it's it's yeah, pretty drop in. They're pumping out these A13s already, and it, it, I think it just was like super cost efficient for them to be like, yeah, we don't need to make something new. We'll just use this processor because it probably doesn't like the A13 does not cost them a lot of money at this point. Yeah. You know what you could do with an A13 and a giant display though is make it a touchscreen and just run iPad apps on it, and they. I will tell you, I said this, and they're like, no, you can run iPad apps on the Mac already through our wonderful blah, blah, blah. Like, they're like, no, we, we're not doing that. Are people going to figure out how to run iPad OS, like, on this thing at some point? Yes, you plug an iPad into it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was well, it's not a touch. It's not a touch screen. So that's, like, your first problem. It's got mouse support. Yeah, it's true. But at some point, someone's going to try to crack this thing, right? Yeah. Like, I hope there's like a huge studio display jailbreak community. That would be amazing. But I don't know that this thing is connected to the display controller. Mm, that right? would... I think like from Apple's perspective, this thing like runs the camera and it runs the speakers and it runs the microphones. So we're looking at like a couple of years before someone's like, yeah, I'll buy this and crack it open and figure out how to. No one's seen one yet. So yeah. I'm sure someone's going to pull this thing apart right away. But it is wild to me that. Yep, it's expensive, especially compared to that LG 5K, which everyone has hated forever. It's like a bad product. Yeah. And everyone's always been like, why don't you just take the 5K display out of the iMac and sell it to us? Well, they did it. It's just really expensive. And part of the reason it's really expensive is it has most of an iPhone in there. I mean, they also did it like five years later. Like, I feel like if they pulled this out five or six years ago, people would have been like, 1600 bucks. Okay, cool. You know, this is kind of a new screen. It's like you're getting the latest technology. Now it's like six years later and it is, you know, no HDR, no uh, promotion. It is only 27 inches, which I don't know about you, but like 27 inches is pretty small at this point. It just feels dated already, even though it looks gorgeous. It'll probably function very well. It'll integrate. It's got a whole iPhone jammed in there. It just that I think that is a lot of the visceral reaction to the price. But I went into this event thinking they were going to announce a display that was $3,000. And I see, I thought... I think it's actually that expensive. I mean, yes, it is $1,600. That is a lot of money. But when you're looking at like high-end 27-inch monitors. I'm staring at a 49-inch monitor that runs at 240 hertz that I paid $1,000 for. Yeah, and I'm looking like I'm looking at a 27-inch monitor that I spent $1,000 on. Maybe I just got bamboozled there. But I'm looking at a 2015 iMac. <laughs> this is, it's the same display. <laughs> you already know what you're getting. Like, it's right in front you of know, me. I don't think it is, is for what you're getting in this product. I think, yes, it's expensive, 
but it's not as expensive as we think. Because one, it's got a really nice webcam and nobody else has a really nice integrated webcam. Who's making a really nice integrated webcam and a 27 inch monitor? Well, so this is actually my question about it. They should sell a version without the webcam. If you buy three of these, which some people will do. Or you should just sell the webcam. Your Zoom situation is going to be like. Bring back the eyesight, you cowards. Like everyone is going to become like one of those Twitch streamers with multiple angles on a Zoom when they buy three of these. (laughs) But you only need one webcam. (laughs) <laughs> like it's uh, there's an argument to be made they should definitely sell a cheaper version without the webcam yes i think that would have taken a little bit of the sting out of the price even though the price is still not three thousand dollars which dan and i like i think before the event dan and i were both like yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be three thousand i was like 2500 if we're lucky i'm excited to look at this thing i'm a display nerd i'm very excited for it I, i'll tell you you are looking at it right now <laughs> I I'm definitely already. looking at this thing already right now. I'm sure it looks beautiful in person, though. It does. It does work with Windows, including the camera, but you don't get any of the camera features because that's software integration. So that's good. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not the end of the world. Um, it is only uh, Thunderbolt input. It can charge any Mac laptop, which is good. It's actually pretty hard to find 96 watt power supplies for like the top end uh, laptops out of a monitor. It's yeah. got a lot mm-hmm. of ports on it. I love, I mean, Apple's just doing what I want. At the end of the day, you know, just like, give me a couple of ports and a headphone jack. I'm happy. Oh, we cannot forget. It also has Hey Siri. Yes. (laughs) Why? Because it has a whole iPhone in there. (laughs) Fair fair enough. Let's do a quick little lightning round. Uh, Apple updated all of its uh, peripherals to make black versions for the new studio, Magic Mouse keyboard trackpad. Magic Mouse, we've written this story every year for the past five years. We'll keep writing it. Still charges from the bottom, which is hilarious. That team, when they're like, make a black one, do you think they're like, I don't know, and they just like rolled the Photoshop dropper over and they're like, now it's black. <laughs> Carry on. Apple TV Plus is going to do live sports, which is a huge deal. Katie Keck is, is written about this. Uh, you know, sports are the stickiest thing for a streaming platform. It's a shame they chose baseball, though, this year. Uh, and it's two games on Friday. It's going to be free at first. It's in the, uh, yes, it's true that baseball's on the There's no baseball yet. Like, is there going to be a season this year? Is that open question? You know, I'm, I'm a cynic about Apple TV+. Plus. I think they do it mostly to say they have a services product. Like, they can trot out Reese Witherspoon instead of, like, a Candy Crush whale when they talk about services revenue, like I think that's important to them, but it's interesting. They're going to sports now because sports are expensive to get. And they are the thing that makes people sign up for streaming services. But baseball also has like how many games, way more games than football or or basketball. Yes. Right. 10 times as many games. as football. Like, and they're only doing Fridays. I don't think we know yet if they're going to be blackout dates. If, like what kind of games we're going to get. Well, we, we have to have a baseball season. Yeah, first. we have to have so, a season. You know, we're putting the cart before the horse there. Uh, they need to actually like have an opening day. <laughs> yeah. All their lightning round stuff. They have a three meter Thunderbolt four cable. It's $160. That's hilarious. A great price. Cause you cannot buy a three meter Thunderbolt four cable from anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great, it's like the ultimate monopolist, like a great price. Uh, there's all sorts of other stuff we should talk about. Um, Google, did a big Android feature drop and then their new SVP of tablet stuff, Rich Miner uh-huh. went on their own Android show and talked about <laughs> the future of Android tablets is bright. Oh, yep. We'll see that. Oh, okay. they believe it. They hired a guy. To, I mean, well, there's a guy there. I mean, maybe he could do it. Android also finally rolled out their iOS friendly emoji reactions in Google messages in case, you know, you have chosen a Google messaging product and it's that You're one. You're brave. <laughs> 
Pixel feature drops are in beta. So if you have Pixel, you can do that. We've got a bunch of cool gadget stuff on this site. Yes. I'm going to plug something here that is very, very cool and I'm super excited about. You could now, if you want, 3D print and build your own trackball mouse. That's pretty cool. And we, we have a great story about it. The guy went, he's built a bunch. It's called Ploopy. Yeah. Ploopy. Are you going to do it? Oh, yeah. Mine is in route as we speak. <laughs> I'm going to go buy some, like, I'm going to sand it down to get it nice and smooth. I am never been more excited to build. Trackball hacks in 2022. Yeah. Incredible. It's great. I love it. Uh, Victoria reviewed the Yves Saint Laurent lipstick printer, which is actually uh, just a really cool I looking want gadget. It. Yeah. You read that. Um, the Steam Deck now runs Windows. Sean Hoster is obsessed with the Steam Deck. This is, I can't get enough of it <laughs> all day long. I'm like, what are you working on? It's like Steam Deck stuff. I'm like, okay, keep, <laughs> keep bleeding that try. We have a cool hands-on alien, so your monitors, we have Alienware has a gigantic QD OLED monitor. The, the thing that's significant about this is it's the first QD OLED screen that's actually shipping and you can buy. Uh, there was a bunch of QD OLED stuff announced at CES, including this monitor. A bunch of TVs were announced, but you can't yet buy those. So, like, this is the first experience. So, people are getting a QD OLED, uh, which is pretty exciting, pretty interesting. And it's also interesting that it's in a gaming monitor, um, which is usually one of the most demanding places for a new panel tech to go. I mean, I'm definitely going to buy this monitor. And then my favorite headline of the week, because I can't believe this company is called Nothing. So, I like read this headline. I was like, what are we talking about? Nothing can't stop smartphone leaks. And I thought it was like, a large piece about the state of smartphone. It was just I, I this have company. to take this credit because I wrote this headline. I was like, what? What does this mean? The fact that this company is called Nothing is the greatest troll in tech history. There's other stuff going on. Actually, both Peloton and Oculus have now integrated themselves in Apple Health, which is like pretty interesting just from a lock-in. That's this week in lock-in. Like Peloton finally gave in. Peloton got a new CEO and they started doing stuff they should have been doing forever, like letting you sync to Apple Health. They're trialing a program where you get the bike and the software subscription for one fee. Like, like, yeah, the new guy showed up and he's like, what are you doing? Just like, this is like just can we it. stop like, burning we... cash? Here's some just ideas. Grabbing this low hanging fruit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but it's fascinating that Oculus is meta is doing it with Oculus too. It's fascinating to do that because there's rumors of a Facebook watch too. We're all over that. That's it. That's We've done a lot of Apple. There's a lot of news on the site. We've had a great week. Um, it's creative makers week on the site. It's another DIY week. There's a ton of amazing stories about people making stuff, including a guide who sends tintype photography. You should read that. And then we have a big feature on Justin Sun, who is a crypto entrepreneur. Just keeps getting away with it. And that has some of the best art direction we've ever had on the site. So go read that. That's it. We've gone over. No, we didn't. Not us. We went over. You can tweet at us. I'm at Reckless. Dan's DC Seifert. Alex is Alex H. Kranz. Uh, Decoder this week was really fun. It was the CEO of Raspberry Pi, Eben Upton. And he was like, I'm never doing recurring revenue software. Like we just make cool, oh, cheap it. hardware. And then it beguiles kids into becoming software programmers. Great episode. One of my favorites. That's it. We'll be back next week. We're like in the thick of it. Like the tech news cycle is like off to the races. I love it. So there's, mm-hmm. there's more to come. Uh, actually, next week on Decoder is the CEO of WordPress. So that'd be uh, Matt Mellon. That was a really good one too. That's it. Rock and roll. Thanks to Canva for their support. Canva wants to make your presentations come as easy as those thoughts that pass through your head. And thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. 
it's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work.